experienced this, that we, maybe we've gone on a, on a walk or a hike, and we're set to go out for this walk or a hike, and we've got tennis shoes like I'm on today, and we start walking, and we feel that pebble in our shoe. We feel that pebble, and we can feel it. It's, it seems like it's a gigantic boulder, but it's really just probably just as, fine, as small as a grain of sand. And you know that that pebble is there, but you've got a choice to make. Like, you have a choice. Like, you know, it's some t- maybe you've got big hunting boots on, and it's going to take a long time to take those shoes off. And you're like, I've got all these people with me, and they're, they're like wanting to go, and they're shaming me. They're telling me, can you hurry up, quit this, quit, you know, all that stuff that they're doing that they're saying to me. So I've got this choice. Do I stop? Do I take this pebble out of my shoe? Or do I just try to forget about it? Pretend it's not there. Do I try to do nothing about it? And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be left behind. I'm not going to make these people wait. And I'm going to go. I'm just going to go with this hike or go on this walk with them. And I'm going to leave this pebble in my shoe. Either way, you know that pebble's in your shoe. You know it's there. The presence of it cannot be denied. But if you choose to leave it in there, you're probably going to be miserable, aren't you? Because it hurts. It's annoying. And if, the sh- if it's in the right spot or you walk long enough, like it's, it's going to cause damage too, right? Like you might get a gigantic blister. You might get this sore on your foot. And by the time you get this sore on your foot, by the time, like now you're dealing with something that would have been like a minute to take out of your shoe. Now you're dealing with this thing for a long time because you've got to wait for this to recover. But it's your choice. You refuse to acknowledge that it's there, even though it exists. You know it exists because it's there. It's right. It's in your presence. It's in your shoe. Or or you can just pretend it's not there. So last week, Aiden introduced us to the book of Romans. Now, I got to give Aiden credit. You know, he he told us the story about the piano. Now, Aiden, there's a lesson. Be smarter on this. You ask, what are we moving before you? But he is pretty smart. Like, I figured out, like, last week, he picked this nice, easy, let's all hug and be friends, and, and just this nice, like, wasn't last week just a pleasant sermon that he preached? Like, it just was, ni- it just a feel-good, like, made us all feel good. And then he gave me this, me this one today. You're going to find out why. This isn't a good one. This isn't an easy sermon to preach today. And you'll find out in a few minutes. We're, we're going we're gonna to get into it. But last week, are some things that I want to just remind us of last week. That Aiden brought up this idea of context. Like when we read something in the Bible, we need to know what the context is that we're, that we're reading it in. Like what is the whole big picture? So we have this big picture of this letter of Romans. Like the Roman Empire is this this dominant power in the world like it's almost at the height of the roman empire like the romans just controlled everything but something about the roman empire was that they were they were really tolerant of things as long as you were devoted to the empire like you could express yourself in a lot of different ways even the jews they tolerated the jews and let them continue to be jews as long as they didn't disrupt the empire as long as they were loyal to the empire, loyal to the emperor, there was kind of this feeling that, you know, anything could go. Like, you could do anything, but when it came to the Roman Empire, you have to be 
submissive to that. So that's where Paul is writing this letter to. Another thing that Aidan mentioned was that there was this kind of tension between the Gentiles and the Jews. They were both Christians. They both believed in Jesus, but they were approaching it from little different aspects. The Jews wanted it to practice one way, the Gentiles another way. So there was this tension, and they lost their focus on what they needed to be focused on. They lost their focus on Jesus. They lost their focus on what they had in common. That they had Jesus in common, and they started to focus on these other things that, that took, took away from their faith that they had in Jesus. Seems like a similar context to what we live in now, doesn't it? Like there's a lot of people that they want to express themselves. We want to express, we want to make our own rules. We want to follow our own desires, our own thoughts. We don't, necess- we don't want to have rules. Or rules, well, those are old. Those are, those are, we don't need those anymore. They don't want to believe in God. Or they think God just doesn't even exist. Or maybe we have this thought that, well, God is in everything. God's in, in this carpet that I'm in. God's in these chairs. God's in nature. God's in that tree. God's in all this. So we start to worship God of all these little things, these little G-gods. We do whatever feels good to us. Whatever makes me feel good. We abandon everything that we maybe know or have been taught, or anything that's in the Bible, anything that God says, just to make myself feel good. There's no rules. Anything goes. Except for there's something different from our world that we live in right now. Like in the Roman Empire, at least it was, you don't disrupt the empire. You don't disrupt that. But now it almost seems like in our culture, the laws, the rules, the, the, the norms of the land, it's almost as if you're commended. It's, it's celebrated if you break those things, if you, you break the system. Church world, there's not, a different, there's not a lot of difference there either because over history and over even currently, we see a lot of denominations, it seems like maybe they're starting to begin to lose focus on Jesus because they begin to argue about things like, well, should we have a tambourine up here on worship or should we not have a tambourine? The next thing you know, you see a tambourine up here at service and people are playing the tambourine. But it's not really about a tambourine. It's about other things, isn't it? It's about other things that the Bible tells us this is, this, is, this is truth. But we start to bend that truth. We start to move away from the church and from the truth. And we start to see things come into churches that aren't focused on Jesus. That are focused on other things that aren't rooted in God's word. Things that would be maybe considered that, that we know the truth, but we're rejecting. We're rejecting God. Now, before we get started in this chapter, I need to make some disclaimers. That this is where I'm coming from, and this is where I think a lot of people in this church and sitting down right now is coming from. A sin is a sin. Sin is sin. There's not a grading scale on sin. Like, there's not a grading scale that said, well, Chris only stole a pack of gum. But then there was Dan over here. You don't know what Dan did. Like, it's, no, sin is sin. Sin is sin, period. Sin is sin. There's not an A and a B and a C and a D and an F. There's, sin is sin. We also 
many of us, and I believe this, and many of us in this room, we believe in the biblical view of marriage, that it is between a man and a woman, and that sex is reserved for a man and a woman that is married. That is, our, our, that is my view. Now, I also know a lot of you maybe don't agree with me on that. And I'm going to say, I'm going to respect you for that. But all I ask is that you respect me for what I believe. And many of us in Hope Center believe in that. That we, all I ask of her is respect. I'm not asking us all to agree on everything. But I am asking us to respect each other and to give love an opportunity to work amongst all of us. Because I'm going to love you even if you disagree with me. I'm going to love you anyway. So those are my two disclaimers. So let's get into this passage. We're going to look at Romans 1, 18 through 32. We're going to break this up into to smaller sections. First, we're going to look at verses 18 to 20. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So remember that I talked about a pebble in our shoe. I got a pebble in my shoe. I don't stop and take it out. I know it's there. The presence is there. I can't deny it. I keep going. And this huge sore on my foot, I get this big sore on my foot. And when I get home, it gets infected because I it keep on ignoring I keep on ignoring the presence of it. So it gets infected. I don't go to the doctor because I'm ignoring it. The infection spreads. I get sepsis and I die. Kim hates it when I do those extreme things. But I think you get my point. Whose fault is that? It's your fault. You knew that that was there. You knew the presence was there. You knew that was in your shoe. And you chose not to remove it. You chose to ignore it. Isn't that what Paul is saying? He said, come on, guys. Like, look around you. Look, God reveals himself to us every single day. God is here. You cannot deny this. There are things that happen in our lives that you can only say, that is God. Aiden told a story this week in staff meeting. He said, you know, they moved into a new apartment. They're looking for some furniture. They've got a budget for some furniture. They found this couch. It was at the limit of their budget. They go to get this couch. They meet the person. They talk to the person. And I don't think it's just because Aiden's this nice, lovable person. I think this is God. And this person just said, you know what? Keep your money. This, I'm giving this to you. That's God revealing himself to us. Every day, God reveals himself to us. Listen to Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. Nature doesn't, it doesn't use words, but it's revealing God to us. 
there's things that we see. We've, we've had prayer times in here, and we've seen miracles happen in this room. We've seen people be healed. I've seen people being prayed for that are confined to a wheelchair, hop up and sprint around a room. We go for hikes. We live in Montana. We happen to live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. We've gone. We've experienced this. We, it's really hard to go into nature and not go just be overwhelmed by God and his creation. The Bible says we're created in God's image. We look at each other and we see God's creation being revealed to us. We see God in that. So right now, maybe just turn at someone and look at them and see God's beauty of his creation. See God revealing himself to us. We're without excuse. We're left also to make our own choice. We can make this choice. We can acknowledge God. We can see God. Or we can just choose our own will. Choose what we want to do. Choose to really just, well, choose to leave that pebble in my shoe and suppress the truth. Try to deny that it's not there. The truth is that God's glory is all around us. And God reveals himself to us every day in his creation. The next verse. 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. We have that pebble in our shoe. We leave it in there. We choose to do it. We know God. We choose to leave God behind. We choose to think that maybe, well, I know better than God. We think that we're so wise. We're so wise, and we leave that pebble in our shoe. So wise that we pursue what we want to do. So wise that we just, we don't want to miss out on anything. So we just ignore God's presence. We want to do what we want to do. We don't want to give God any credit. We don't want to follow any rules. And what happens? Just like that pebble in our shoe, it seems like it gets bigger and bigger. And it causes more and more damage. It separates us more and more from God. And eventually we think, you know what? We don't need God. We don't need Him at all. We start worshiping ourselves. We start worshiping each other. Or, or maybe we worship our possessions. Maybe even we worship our addictions. Maybe we worship our unforgiveness. Maybe we worship our bitterness, our anger. There's all kinds of things that we worship more than we worship God. We forget about God, and we let everything else rule our lives. And we begin to worship everything but God. Maybe like the Roman people, Roman Empire, the Roman people in Rome that, that day. Maybe like the Christian Jews and Gentiles that lost their focus on God. They lost the focus of, of worshiping God. They, they lost the focus and they grow into worshiping the importance of maybe just what side of the church do I sit on? But they're worshiping everything else but Jesus, but God. 
We see a lot in the Jews, we read about this in that culture, that they're worshiping the rules. They're worshiping the laws more than they're worshiping God. Think of this, think of this as, as may, we probably have seen this before in our lives, or maybe we've even seen it on TV, that you see a group of people standing in front of a, a work of art, and they're just standing there. And they're going, oh, this is so wonderful. It's almost like they're on their knees praising this thing. They're worshiping this thing. They go, oh, this artist is so, he's so wonderful. He's so fantastic. He's so brilliant. And they'd say all these wonderful things about him. And they're, they're really just worshiping this, this, this painting. And this painting is nothing more than a white canvas with a red square on it that your child could make. And I'm going, I don't get it. God is all around us, but you're worshiping a red square. Throughout history, we've seen that. We've seen people worship things and don't worship God. And I think that's what Paul's saying. Is you know there's a God. We also, I think we have this need to worship something. But we decide to ignore that. We decide to leave the pebble in our shoe. We don't, we ex- decide to ignore the existence of God maybe because we're too blind maybe because we're too ignorant we're too prideful we're too we just don't open up our eyes to see God is right here God's right here in front of us had you look at each other because we're God's creation we're creating God's image God is right here he's everywhere but this need to worship we need to worship something we start to worship everything else and ignore God I think Paul is speaking us to the to people in Rome of that day as much as he's speaking to us today. You think, or we think we're so wise. We're so wise. We're we're smarter now. We think we're so wise that we begin just we do, we still do, we ignore God. We begin to worship everything else. Even though God is everywhere. And we begin to worship, probably wondering what's in this box. We begin to worship this. Oscar Meyer Wienermobile. You guys laugh. I've seen this three times in my life. That's probably three more times than any of you guys have seen this. I've seen it for real. This Wienermobile has its own website, okay? To tell you where to find it. To go worship it. We exchange God's glory to go worship the Wienermobile. <laughs> that becomes our focus rather than worshiping God. Now that seems crazy, right? A Wienermobile. But we do that. That's what we do. This is, these are some words of a pretty famous pastor. And it's a pretty famous sermon. Most of you guys will, 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 first sentence, you'll, you'll get this. Look at this. It said, it is a terrible thing to be sinners in the hands of an angry God. But it is, is even more terrifying to find ourselves sinners whom God has reluctantly given over to our own pursuits. Jonathan Edwards. This is, I think this is what Paul is saying. This is where you Roman Christians are at. This is where you people are Rome. This is where you're at. God's turning you over. Reluctantly. I think Paul is saying, too, what? You know what? You Americans, 
You're saying the same thing. You think you're so wise? Well, let's see how wise you are when God gives you over to that. And I think it is reluctantly, because God loves us. But he, 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 gives us, he will give us over to our own desires, our own pursuits. And we follow our own path, our own pursuits. We don't follow God. <coughs> and I think it's like Jonathan Edwards is saying, it's not good. It's not going to end well. It's not going to go like we think it is. All right, so now let's get to these, the hard part of this, this set of verses. Verses 24 through 27. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and are inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. I think you see why he gave me this passage. I think you also see why I gave you those disclaimers that I did. And I said, a sin is a sin. We do believe in what I said of marriage, like I said. But this is where Paul is writing this to the Roman Empire, where they're saying, like, lots of things are permitted. Just don't upset the empire and don't upset the emperor. And that's where we end up in the same places they did in Rome that day. We follow our own desires. We don't put limits on anything. We don't, there might be things that we accept as norm or have accepted as norm. There might have been lines that we just say, that's not a line to cross. But Paul is saying, you know what? You turned your back on God. God gave us over to our own desires. And he's saying, that line that you might think that you're, you won't ever cross or that norm that's there, you're going to cross it and you're going to go well beyond that. Anything that you think you're capable of. This is a hard part of Scripture. It's a hard part of Scripture. There's words in here that are hard. Probably hard for some people to hear. And actually, the church hasn't done itself any favors over the years. For this group of people that is in the LBGQT people of, of our day, the church has used this to, as, a, as a weapon. They've abused people. They've said some awful, awful things. But I said a sin is a sin. Everybody deserves Jesus. Jesus came to love everybody. Jesus came to forgive everyone. I'm not going to repeat the horrible things that this, that this has been used by the church because it's harmful. Because I think this passage is more about Paul saying when we're left to our own desires that we're all guilty of sin. We're all guilty of sinning beyond anything that we think that we're capable of. Paul is writing to the Christian audience, just like we're reading this to a Christian audience. They have the same, of that day, they would have the same belief of, of marriage and sex, that it is between a married man and woman. So the Christians of that day would be like the Christians of today. They would hear these words of Paul, and it would be shocking to them. But again, why I gave the disclaimer of a sin is a sin. 
because we're all guilty of this. We're all capable of turning our back on God, refusing to acknowledge Him, refusing to acknowledge God, refusing to see His glory. We refuse to see God all around us, and we see God giving us reluctantly to ourselves, to our own desires, which leads us to things, again, that we didn't think we were capable of. And then it says we become accepted. And we go further and further down this rabbit hole until eventually I think we become something that we, didn't, we never even imagined we could be. Think of these posters. This was a big campaign several years ago. I don't see it so much. I see old, old beat-up posters now. But <clears throat> think of those ones like, this is you on meth or before you had take meth. This is you after meth. And you have these two pictures. person's unrecognizable. And a lot of us have probably experienced this, maybe even our own lives or our family or with people we know. And I think Paul should have had a sign as well, should have had this campaign. This is, before, this is you before you denied God, and this is you after you denied God. And I bet the images would be just as drastic of a change. This is your foot before you chose to leave the pebble in your shoe, and you got sepsis in this infection is raging through your pulsating through your body God's given us the ability to choose him or we can choose ourselves God isn't going to force us God gives us free will he gives us free will to decide to stop and take that pebble out of our shoe or leave it in there but he's saying there's going to be consequences Paul is telling us like they're not good you refuse to acknowledge God, you're not, that's not good. Now, Paul's not done. He's got more to say. He's got more. So let's finish this out, verses 28 through 32. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have been filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Remember that pebble again. You should because I keep coming back to it. You forget the knowledge that it's in there. And you just let it do its work. It causes damage. You forget about God. You do your own thing. Those minds of ours, without God, they do damage. Everything you, can, you think that is unimaginable, that's impossible, becomes possible. And your mind won't stop there. It goes further, further down into destruction of ourselves and for others. You'd be shocked at what our minds can come up with. Here's that poster again. You with God, you without God. It's unrecognizable. And it doesn't end there. Paul is saying, all of you that have lost your focus on God, that have turned your back on God, that have left that pebble in your shoe, all of you are going to see yourselves do all these unimaginable things to yourselves, to others. And right now, you, you may think that, oh, I'd never approve of that. But you know what? You're going to 
count that as normal. You're going to approve of it. You're going to cheer these people on. And you're going to start doing the same thing as they're doing and approve of it. Growing up, a lot of you guys know, I grew up in a traditional church. I went to church every Sunday. I followed a bunch of rules. I would say my parents, they followed and did the same thing. We'd go to church. We'd follow a bunch of rules. You would say we were a good religious family from the outside. But we all had these pebbles in our shoes, and we left them there. Maybe like the Jewish people that Paul is writing to, following a bunch of rules, a bunch of laws, but not really following God, putting more attention on the rules and the laws. As an adult, when my dad died, I watched this happen to my mom. What Paul is writing about here, this is, this is kind of what happened to her. First, she stopped going to church. She stopped listening to God. She ignored the presence of God. She made a bunch of bad choices. And she really did. She rejected God. My daughter and I, once we were visiting her in Seattle, and once she told us, she started talking about wolves. And she started saying wolves. She goes, you know, it's, it's time for the wolves to, it's their turn to dominate the earth. Because she's worshiping wolves. Just like what Paul is saying. One time at Christmas, I think I told this story to a few of you before. One time at Christmas, she gave my niece this, this book titled, Witches, Warlocks, and Wizards. Something like that. And another book that says, How to Cast Spells. Now this is for Christmas. This is, we celebrate the birth. This is God's holiday. Like, can't we at least have one holiday where God gets his holiday? And I asked my mom about the appropriateness. I said, is that really an appropriate book to give? Her response was, oh, it's no big deal. That's, it's fine. It's just a different way of believing. That was a pretty big pebble in her shoe. She was ignoring God. She was ignoring her presence. And she was hurting herself, but now she's hurting others. Because you know what? Within less than six months, my niece had constructed a witch's altar in her basement, and she lit the house on fire, started pulling out her hair, and was hearing voices telling her to kill herself and everybody else in the house. And my mom was approving of it. All started with something that we think is small, gets bigger and bigger, and we start to approve of it. Really, we start approving of evil. Left to itself, our mind, left to ourselves without God, we're capable of any kind of evil we think imaginable. Capable of even further, and we begin to approve of it by others. Paul's writing to this Roman Empire. Anything goes. But I, I ask this. Does our context differ that much from what Paul is writing to? I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to let you guys wrestle with that question this week. You guys can answer that yourselves. But bring God into that conversation. Thinking of this, now you know why this isn't a warm, fuzzy. This isn't a warm, fuzzy sermon today. It's not when we're going to walk out of here hand in hand singing songs. However, this is, this is kind of Paul's style when he writes letters. He gives you the warm and fuzzy. He greets you. He tells you how much he loves you. And then he goes, well, there's a problem. And then he gives you the problem. He tells you, like, you guys, there's, there's something going on here. But that's what we're going to look at the rest of this time. Is what Aiden talked about is the God strategy. What is God's plan for this? 
This week we get to hear that we're all capable of, of all kinds of bad things when we choose to leave God out of our life. Like leaving that pebble in our shoe. The world might tell us to ignore God. We might tell ourselves to ignore God. There's evidence of God all around us. People are saying, or the world or ourselves are saying, just do what makes you happy. Do what's okay. Do what makes you feel good. Just be you. But if we choose to leave that pebble in our shoe, if we choose to leave our minds in a place where it's without God, that pebble causes that damage. Our lives without God, you're going to see damage. But what if we stop and we, so to say, we take that pebble out? We stop. We hit pause. We see God's glory all around us. Put our focus back on Jesus. Our sole focus is Jesus. Life's going to be a lot different. I'm going to end with this question. What are you focused on? Are you focused on the world? Maybe you're focused on someone else. Maybe you're focused on your family, your job. These are good things, right? Like these are th- good things to be focused on. Maybe you're focused on what you're going to wear tomorrow. But what are you focused on? Or are you focused on Jesus? Lord, I just pray for everybody in this room, Lord. I pray that our focus is on you. Lord, I pray that if there's distractions in our lives, Lord, if maybe we're caught in a place right now where we can, this, this message is, I go, you're, you're saying, man, God, I've, I forgot about you. God, I've, I've, you're all around me and I've chose to, to not see you. And maybe you feel like God has given me over to my own desires. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of God is that he's still present. God is still there. You can decide to make that decision to put your focus back on Jesus. You can come back. There's, there's nowhere that, that, that Jesus can't find you. There's nowhere that Jesus, nothing that you've done that Jesus is not able to forgive. So if there's somebody in this room today that they're hearing this message and they're, and they're feeling the call of God, they, they're seeing the presence of God and they want this message of Jesus. They want this forgiveness for their sins. They want to come back. They want to put their focus on Jesus and live this life with Jesus. If that's you, if you want to just maybe look up at me and raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm coming back to you. Jesus, I'm putting my focus on you. Lord, I just thank you for, for everybody in this room. Lord, I pray that, that as we go through this week, that our focus is on you, focus is on your son, Lord, and, and we don't let all those distractions keep us from, from your son, from your love, from your glory. Lord, I pray that we see your presence in everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.